listening to episode 241 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season four of TNT's Librarians. And we'll get to the bad news in a yeah. minute, but uh, how you doing otherwise? Well, otherwise, I'm doing pretty good. Some really bummer news in the last couple of days um, that everyone, I'm sure, knows what we're referring to. But, uh, you know, otherwise, things are good. Uh, just froze my butt off watching a JVN varsity lacrosse game back-to-back now that I have two boys in high school. So I get to stay out extra. Um, but other than that, things are good. Now, the bad news, you're, you're talking about Landry signing with the Cleveland Browns, right? Right. That was that was yeah. devastating. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're not going to get off track, I promise. Uh, because if we I, do... You know what, I, just, I mean, Go ahead. You, you started it, but I'm just saying, right. and it's not like sour grapes, but I mean, when they first said that, I'm like, that you know, I don't know if we need like that kind of... like. It seems like he's a, a problem in the locker room, you know? Well, I don't know. But if any of you are Cleveland Browns fans out there... Hey, your new general manager did some wheeling and dealing, and uh, he did. Uh, he your did. team is improved. So you got uh, Tyrod well, Taylor now too. Well, better than what they had, that's for sure. So, <laughs> well, we'll leave it there. And oh, did they know, have Tyrod, or he did go to Cincinnati? He, he went, went to, to Buffalo. Right? No, Buffalo. but Tyrod. No, but he got traded. Oh yeah, yeah, to Cleveland. To Cleveland, right? That's what I thought. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, but we digress right. again. All right, email sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave us a voicemail, tell us to stay on topic, record your own <laughs> audio clip if you want, send us the MP3, tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch, but join the Facebook group, join the discussions there. So, uh, you know, quick plug for the Patreon page. You know, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, you go to the website, sci-fi TV rewatch.podbean.com. Find the Patreon link there on the right-hand side, or just go to patreon.com slash sci-fi TV rewatch and want to welcome our newest patron and, and thank Cindy Barrick, who's been a frequent contributor to the Facebook group, and Harvey Williams, Dan LaRock, Fred from the Netherlands, Mike Jacobs, Kenneth Pricer. Thanks for your continued support. So... Now on to the bad news, which at this point I'm sure everybody has heard. Yeah. TNT canceled the librarians after four seasons, 42 episodes. Now, Wayne, I don't know if you are aware that Dean Devlin's announced he's shopping the show. He's trying to find another home. Yeah, I, I saw that, yeah. And he is taking a poll, I'm not sure how scientific it is, <laughs> to find out if fans would subscribe to a streaming service if that's the only alternative. And, and my problem is, well, Dean, what do you mean? I mean, do you mean Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime? Or are you talking about a Stargate command approach, which it's basically just the librarians and probably the three films? So it's really not clear. Personally speaking, as much as I love the librarians, I'm not going to subscribe to a librarians-only streaming service. Well, I mean, I probably would, depending on you know how much it is. Like, if you had access to all the seasons and the movies, yeah, I'd do that. Okay. You know. For what would you pay? Mm, that's a good question. Five, like monthly? Yeah, five bucks a month. Five bucks a month, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, I'm sure you've run across that. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of you are already uh, members of librarians groups. You know, have your Twitter account set up so that you're getting Dean's messages, but uh, we'll keep you posted on, on what we learn about that. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, it's like the librarians has really had zero presence outside of just the shows on television. Like the DVDs come out long after. Um, It's not on Netflix. You know, you have to pay for it on Amazon. So it's just like, you know, I mean, it just seems like in this day and age, like part of building an audience is making it available outside of just watch it, DVR it, and either keep it on your DVR or delete it and wait around till next season to see it again, you know? Well, it sounds like what you're saying is they're basically doing whatever they can to kill the show. I mean, I'm not saying that, but it, you know, I mean, there, there's, it certainly doesn't look like, it, it, it seems like, uh, and probably every person who was upset about a show getting canceled ever thought the same thing, that the, the studio, you know, didn't support it enough and, and didn't put enough into it and, and didn't give it the backup. You know, I don't know about that. But I just know that, like, for example, like if you go on on demand, like TNT's on demand presence sucks. And, like, you have, like, this little window of time that maybe you'll catch the episode you want. Of course, it's going to have loads of commercials and everything. So it's just like, I don't know. Stuff like that makes it tougher for people to get into it after the fact, right? Like, if you want, if you saw commercials for season four of The Librarians and were like, hey, I'd like to go back and watch seasons one through three, well, you're going to have to buy those seasons. And not probably a lot of people are going to do that. So that's all I'm saying. Now, there's also speculation that John LaRoquette and and Noah Wiley have both signed on to other series, but uh, you you never know. I mean, schedules can be worked out, so I'm not sure that really has anything to do with it, although you never know. So, you know, I guess we'll see probably in the coming months. uh, But, I mean, there's certainly been a lot of shows that we thought were dead and somehow survive. and, And, you know, let me segue into the tip of the week because the return of Timeless on NBC on Sunday nights, Timeless is one of those shows. We thought it was dead and, you know, fan reaction and and the groundswell of support ended up convincing NBC to bring it back for one more season, at least one more. Yeah. Yep. And revolutions. uh, Didn't that happen with revolutions too? Uh, I'm not positive of that. I I, can't remember if they, I, I think maybe it's just, it was on the bubble for season two and they got a season two. Um, but, but yeah, it's just yeah, it's just a it's a big it's a big bummer, yeah. you know. But uh, just with timeless, if it's a show you're not familiar with, three time travelers are basically trying to stave off attempts to change the past, and it's a show that I was convinced I wasn't going to like, mostly because it's on NBC. But from the start, <laughs> I, I really dig it. And, and one yeah. of the things that I love about it is we've gotten to the point where it's not really clear who the good guys and the bad guys are. You know, right. the good guys are trying to stop the bad guys, but maybe the bad guys aren't the bad guys. So uh, I'm not going to say anything more about it. It's, it's certainly worth checking out if you haven't seen timeless. Yeah, I was psyched. It was one of those surprises where I knew timeless was starting up again sometime soon, but just like, yes, last night I turned on the DVR and saw timeless was on. It's like, yay. Yeah. Yeah. Now the other thing I want to bring up is the March 21st debut of Krypton on sci-fi and it's, described as years before the destruction of the legendary man of steel's home planet superman's grandfather fights to redeem his family's honor after the house of l is ostracized and shamed over the grandfather's false claims of a world killer coming to krypton so yeah i'm certainly going to check it out and 
we'll go from there. And then one last shout out. It's it's a documentary. Has nothing to do with sci-fi. You know, I'm a uh, racing fan, uh, motorsports. Uh, the documentary of, called McLaren about Bruce McLaren on stars. If you're into motorsports, check it out. All right, what do you got? I, I haven't finished it yet, but uh, Jessica Jones season two. I'm just like five episodes in so far, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I've I've only seen the first one. I'm I'm trying to get to at least one every other night, but it's been difficult for me of late. But yeah, oh, the first episode was great. Yeah. Just just love the direction it's headed. So, all right, cool. All right, well, why don't we get to the librarians? And this is an episode that, uh, you know, again, I liked it a lot better on the rewatch and not that I didn't like it up front, but it's called The Librarians and Some Dude Named Jeff, episode 10 of season four, written by Marco Schnabel, who wrote 301, uh, Rise of Chaos, uh, along with Dean Devlin, uh, 310, Wrath of Chaos, 401 dark secret and then with larry stuckey he wrote the graves of time which was 406 and directed her directorial debut lindy booth so i did not see that yeah that's cool good job lindy yeah and it aired january 24th 2018 now i mean certainly this was all about jenkins and kind of coming sort of on the heels of the cassandra centric episode when she's in the small town you know it's almost as if dean devlin knew the end was coming and (laughs) with the jones christmas episode uh, and certainly we've explored some of jake stone's past before you know when he uh, went home and had the thing with his dad but uh you know i I really like this one i'm not sure i'm going a minus i might but I'm, i'm probably at least b plus at this point yeah, you know what? I I really like this episode. I thought it was very well written, very tight. Again, didn't have any crazy out from left field plot devices, and I just loved the whole thing with the the geek squad, the the D and D crew helping Jenkins out. Yeah. Oh, know? no question. And them experiencing, like, and then at the end, Jeff, all these people who have only experienced adventure kind of vicariously through a game they actually get to kind of do it you know um oh, i just yeah. thought that was that was so great it was really some uh actually some pretty touching moments with them and uh so that just alone that for me uh, i'm going to definitely have it in the the a range somewhere now what now i i might pull an a minus on it but definitely at, that's the, as low as i'm going on this one Okay. Unless so you convince our, me otherwise, which is okay. possible. Our, uh, probably not, because I, I liked it a lot. And you, you, we talked about Lindy Booth as the director. One of the things that I really noticed here was it, it, it's certainly all about Jenkins and Jeff. And so much of what we saw from the other characters were really just glances and looks. And, and yeah, I mean, a, a few lines of dialogue here and there, but I really give her credit for you know th- th- those looks that, as they say, a look can say a thousand words, and, and it really did. So uh, I thought the pacing of this was great. and Pacing again, was awesome. Yes. Now, certainly we don't really find out how it is that Jeff discovered the library and the librarians oh, in the first they told, place. They, he found it online. Oh, okay. And then he, he like just a, went... like a rare books website, I think they said. Okay. 
but he develops this obsession with Jenkins. And then, of course, we are privy to their D&D gaming session. And I know that probably caused you to go grab your little leather pouch and... <laughs> Pull out the pull out the D twenty. It was never leather, but but yeah. No. Okay, you, you hold your D twenty while uh, that doesn't sound very good, does it? Yeah, no, no, no. I don't even know. I I probably don't even have it anymore. I I haven't seen that stuff for ages. It's probably in a. I think it's probably packed up somewhere back in my parents' place. Well, you know, it's it's a period that just because of my age, I totally missed out on it because I was you know, much too old really for Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, when I was in college and, you know, I certainly could have seen getting interested in it, you know, when I was in, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11. And then, you know, I, I think if you develop an interest in something like that, it certainly can carry through because if you've got the right people to play it with, I would think it could really be a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. And we had, um, so a shout out uh, to my buddy, Doug Vaughn, um, actually, I haven't talked to Doug in, in decades, but best dungeon master ever, this guy. Very creative uh, guy and just was able to make up these stories. That we, and he'd have all, the whole neighborhood. We'd be there and we'd you know be at his mercy, as, as you see in the show there and everything. Um, but it was a lot of fun. You know, it was really just this one summer we kind of did it. And, uh, and then I don't know if Doug got bored or it got to be too much work or whatever. But I think uh, once the summer ended, that was kind of it. I think it was just one of those things where I was like 13 and some of the older boys were like 14, 15. It was just kind of like this last gasp of childhood before entering into adolescence, you know. Well, I would think it might even be. And again, I've never played. I've tried to do a little bit of reading on it this week. Golf for me, I, I loved playing golf, but it takes too damn long. I don't feel like yeah. devoting that much time of, you know, right. to, to, you know, that endeavor. But regardless, I love the whole parallel with Jeff's D and D team, which you kind of alluded to a minute ago, with the librarians team, and and it goes beyond the fact that each of them. You know, plays one of those characters in their Dungeons and Dragons game, but it's also the botting switching, which is kind of a metaphor for Jenkins having to come to terms with his mortality, which has been, uh, you know, a, a, an issue and a thematic idea that's been running throughout the last few episodes, and his having to live among the normal everyday people and not that fantastical world to which he's become accustomed, and, and to watch him adapt to it has just really been delightful yeah yeah um yeah a lot of things he has to deal with like you know walking 11 miles you know, for example <laughs> yeah well and it's also about jeff having to deal with the, the fact that this is his life for better or for worse and it might seem boring and and that exchange when he tries to explain to jenkins who is irate and then once he hears jeff out he sort of understands. He doesn't yeah. for, forgive him. He doesn't tell him that's okay. But I think he understands because he can relate to it. Right. And and the, and the thing is for Jeff to find that, you know, the, the beauty in the life in front of him, right? Instead of, you know, looking to, you know, made up stories for adventure and everything to just look and say, hey, I've got a pretty awesome set of friends right here. It's, my life is not so bad. You know, my... You know, it's, uh, yeah, maybe I'm with my mom, but I love my mom. Right. You and, know? And I, yeah. And, and I think that's the beauty of it all. As 
Jenk, it says you, you've got a, a terribly loyal set of friends. And yes, they escape, you know, their lives. Now, you know, maybe their lives don't necessarily need escaping. The one guy's married and has a child. And, and boy, what an emotional aspect of the story that was when, when mm-hmm. they're trapped in that white room. And he tells the story of, uh, you know, the bunny and just, just keep hopping. But, but yeah, just, I think for all of them, the, the, and the fact that they are employees at, I don't know, I, I want to say Geek Squad, but that's the actual business, right? right? <laughs> so I, I don't, yeah, I don't, it was something along those lines, but yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the opening scene right away, we, we know something's wrong. Uh, the team comes back. They've found the Osiris Stone, which apparently has the power to reanimate. And I don't know that we're going to see that again. We've only got two episodes left. Probably not. Right. But then we cut to Jenkins wearing that heavy metal T-shirt. And, you know, even I ran across that in the promos. So I knew there was some situation where Jenkins was going to be wearing a heavy metal T-shirt. And, uh, and, and the promo I saw, you can see an electric guitar on a stand in the back. <laughs> um, I believe it's a Jackson, not that I'm that obsessed with guitars. Well, but, but uh, you are a little bit, though, aren't but you? I am, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and then I, I love the fact that mom has dozens of cats, which it just makes his mom seem all that more when i say needy i mean she needs her son and i guess you could argue on the one hand a parent's got to let her child go at some point but then we learn further and and jenkins kind of learns the hard way that her husband died of cancer and she's really coping with his death and and jenkins is coping with the death of his immortality as well and and again a really touching scene yeah it, it was and then but at, you know at the end when uh, after she she says that about the you know the father dying and everything it's it's definitely a hugging moment he just kind of awkwardly walks away you know, like, well, like he's and, still not into the hugging and i think that's one of those human things that jenkins is going to have to learn to deal with and hopefully we might get to see that in a fifth season if we're lucky enough. But the other thing that I found surprising, and if there was anything I was going to grade the episode down on, it might be how quickly Jeff acclimates to his role at the library. I mean, he's not totally without fault, and, and obviously he gets caught eventually through his use of language. Exactly. And Well, how it took him so long to like figure, I mean, so, you know, magic is a thing. So the idea that some kind of like freaky Friday thing would happen and Jenkins' body would be switched out with someone else is certainly not beyond the realm of possibility in the librarian's world. And clearly like, you know, like the way he uses awesome and rad all the time, like, um, I, I just feel like they should have figured it out a little bit sooner than they did. Well, right. And the fact that Jenkins figures out what's happened so quickly, I think makes sense on a lot of levels, because as you said, he, he's been around magic his whole life. So he he knows something's wrong, but just doesn't know the how at this point. So he catches a ride with his co-workers, the gadget gang. That's what it, <laughs> that's what it is. Okay. And, you know, they take him to the annex at St. John's Bridge, and then that's when he 
steals the sign from the homeless guy to uh, <laughs> try to alert them. But right away, that that's when Jeff shows the the foresight to shut the mirror down. Now, how does he know how to shut the mirror off? I don't know. He just kind of hits it, it looks like. Yeah. yeah, so maybe he just got lucky with that. Yeah, maybe. But Jenkins returns home, try to figure out how this happened, and, and uh, we find the, the really the first scene with the friends who are in his basement to play D&D, and that's when we learn that they're all characters from the library, even has some DOSA documents, which I certainly thought was a nice touch. But, but I guess what gets Jenkins right away is dude has everything right. Right, you know? yeah. Well, they, you know, they said that uh, WikiLeaks got a hold of some DOSA documents uh, that they had there. And, you know, so that's like, yeah, it, it was some, yeah, he got it right. They also mentioned the reporter from the the camp who had retracted her articles, but I guess they had read her articles before they were retracted. So clearly Jeff was infatuated with the library way before he you know, uncovered this book. Right. Right. Now, you, you had mentioned his language and the fact that it should have come to their attention sooner. You're talking about lines like, hey, sassy Cassie. Yeah. Uh, For how, example. How about, <laughs> how, how about we go out and double straw a margarita? Yeah. Talk, talk some magic. Make some magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's when I think Cassandra finally figures it out. But I mean, you know, honestly, I feel like th- this guy was not doing a great job opposing his Jenkins. Uh, no, calling Jake Stoner and then <laughs> and, 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 and then slap st- him in the butt. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, you know, I guess they've all seen so many weird things that they're willing to step back a little and try to figure out what it is that's causing Jenkins to be a bit off. So they haven't come up with the Freaky Friday explanation yet. Maybe they haven't seen that, although jones has probably seen it didn't we have it like way back he was obsessed with watching movies all the time i can't even remember what season uh, was. i don't i don't know maybe but uh i don't know but but uh, well also you know it will you know kind of contrast that with the geek squad right when jenkins says okay and he tells them the whole story and they're like okay sounds good totally right <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, it's like yeah. All right, we got gotcha. you. We we believe you know, like there's not a single doubt. So while the the librarians struggle to uh, uncover what's going on, uh, the Geek Squad is so receptive and open. They just boom, they accept it right away. Yeah, and I think that tells us a lot about them. I mean, not only the fact that they are open minded about things that they perhaps don't understand, but this is their friend Jeff, and even if we don't really believe him we're going to support him now i do think they believe him because they've been uh, you know around jeff and his obsession with the library for long enough that that you know i think they really think something's there but you know, even before they get that to that point when he's telling them everything they're doing wrong about interpreting you know what weaponry to use or uh, what you know, certain dragons can do right and then one of them's like i think he needs to be the dungeon master yeah. <laughs> and the one guy's like no it's my yeah. job yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Like, you know, the dungeon master, you have to be a little bit power hungry to be a dungeon master. You have to be kind of a, a control type person. And, um, you know, I think Schmidt is the, uh, the guy who, um, you know, does not want to relinquish his role to Jenkins, despite the many inaccuracies. Yeah. Now, is the physical training, is that just oh, Jenkins yanking their chain? <laughs> no, I think they just actually tried to train them because later he's like, oh, I knew I wouldn't be able to train you. Well, you had like one day yeah. to train people who are not necessarily, you know, of the physical world realm. Uh, and uh, so... You know, I, don't, I wouldn't beat yourself up too much about it. But what we get is a hilarious montage of, of them, you know, training to be librarians. It's great. Well, right. And I was watching Aurora when they were going on the monkey bars. I think she was just like tall enough that she's just walking along the grounds. <laughs> but uh, and actually, all all three of them were, were just really wonderful. That, that uh, the casting on that crew was just perfect. Yep, Absolutely. Yep. And, and, and then once they realize who it is they're actually talking to, tell us about Camelot. And he does. And he gets into that aspect of his life that I'm not sure if I was aware of it or if I was, I certainly forgot about the fact that he felt like an outcast. Galahad, that is. Right. And I, I don't know if you can really support that with evidence from any of the Arthurian legends, but yet. You know, they they do have, you know, like backup. He was like, I was, you know, an illegitimate son of Lancelot. So, you know, I wasn't like the other guys and he felt like an outcast. So Right, right. And, and maybe that was just him. Maybe he just felt that way and nobody else saw him that way. We don't know. But certainly they can relate because they know that they are outcasts and, and they even acknowledge that. So. Right. And it was you know, kind of a shock for them because Galahad is – one of, if not, well, probably one of, probably the greatest knight of the round table, many would say. Okay. Uh, certainly top five, you got to give them. So for them to hear this great knight Galahad, the legendary knight of the round table, was insecure and felt awkward. Like, you know, how, 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 reinsuring is that for them you know because yeah. like oh i felt insecure i felt awkward well here's this guy this great hero and he's been through the same thing i have yeah and that's just i think one of the huge strengths of this episode that it does that in, in so many instances and on so many levels you know little lessons like that that are taught if you will but he, he takes them through the back door and again Aurora goes running in, runs into the tree, and instead of being embarrassed or whatever, it's like, oh, that was awesome. I think she even says, did anybody film that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, just just really wonderful. That but, would make a funny – well, it did make a funny film because someone did film it. That's yeah. actually the funny part. It's like almost like a meta line, you know? Because, yeah, yes, someone filmed it. The guy there with the camera filmed it. Okay. So, so while they're – Entering the uh, library, Jeff is playing with artifacts, and at this point, Cassandra's on to him and asks him to translate a scroll as Eve appears and puts him off a little bit, and he starts speaking pig Latin, and yeah. I think that was the final straw. And, yeah. and he fesses up, tells him the truth about what's going on. 
shows them the book, and then that's when I think it's Eve that notices the hoof prints leading away from the book. And at this point, they don't understand the gravity of this monster that they're dealing with. But Right. They just they, see a big monster. Well, I would say they soon find out, and, and they kind of do, but they're all cocooned and pretty much out of the game. Yeah. Well, we really don't find out because they cut the commercial. You just see, like, the shadow of the big scary monster, then commercial, and then... Right. The next time we see them, as you said, they're they're all cocooned up. Right. So uh, Jenkins and his D and D team have to solve puzzles as they you know go into the back door of the library, and you know that line "Roll for initiative, bitches." Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I like that's good. But uh, they get to the next chamber, and they're they keep setting off the booby traps. It's well, like Dennis keeps jumping on in there, and like you know, like. He shouldn't. <laughs> no, he's... Wait, so we, well, you know, we, we, we started to feel sorry for Dead. Well, we were like, get a little annoyed with him because he's like, keep running in, setting off the booby traps. But, you know, we know he's going to come through in one of these things. Well, and, you know, in that uh, interview with Christian Kane, where he, he said that at the beginning of the season, Dean Devlin had said, we're going to give everything we can to the fans, the kinds of things we know they want. And I love lines that are clear references to other works whether they're connected or not you know it's like it keeps stepping on the booby traps what's wrong with you have you not seen indy three and lost crusade (laughs) yeah yeah definitely and and then of course the next challenge uh aurora gets it because it's tied into dance dance revolution yeah yeah and and again what another great scene as they choreograph their way across and all of them are like dancing in unison together doing the same moves it's it's great it's it's just so i mean that's like the the beauty of the librarians is that they could just do that like all of a sudden out of nowhere you could have this deadly peril and you could be inside you know trying to get through this booby trapped labyrinth and they're going to take a moment to have a dance in there and what do jenkins and melinda may have in common they don't dance well right. did you, that have right? you seen that episode know. well <laughs> they're they're all recounting in shield about the you know the, the really the horrible things they faced over the you know the past whatever period of time and when it comes to her she's like dancing because <laughs> there was a scene i think if you recall where she's dancing with colson but yes, uh, that, yeah. they then find themselves in a white room in the white room. All right. With black curtains. Yeah, with black curtains. I, 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 I had a brain fart on the next thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I actually, I was listening to that about a month ago, multiple times a day. I found all kinds of versions on YouTube back in the early, uh, late 60s with Cream and then Clapton nice. with everybody from Sheryl Crow to John Mayer. And anyway. Um, uh, Jack Bruce to the truly great uh rock and roll voice so, you know. oh my gosh you're not kidding but i was a little surprised to see jenkins at this point and, and even says that it's hopeless and you know that's when dennis steps up and tells him the story that he tells to his child just keep hopping and you'll find your way home and i mean obviously the library is his home and I, you know i don't even know if we want to call it a metaphor for that it, it just it is but just the, the the fact that Jenkins has had to process and deal with a lot this season. That's and, true. That, and you know, this is almost adding insult to injury. Uh, 
that somebody has has switched bodies with him without his permission. And at this point, he hasn't really met Jeff yet to understand where Jeff's coming from. But I think he's just it's it's just he's had enough. And it's almost like he can't take anymore. And yet here are these three civilians that prop him up and, and enable him to get to the next level. And then they break down the walls and he tells them, sorry, you can't go in. Yeah. Which yeah. is sort of ironic because doesn't yeah, Jones, Jones, yeah, his Jones took his mother in and uh, um, Jake brought in the reporter. Yeah. Who was but. trying to prove the library existed. So like, yeah, come on. Like obviously protocol has been broken on this rule before. Yeah. And I, I think anybody that didn't get a little moist in at least one eye when he knights them honorary knights of Camelot, uh, I'm not sure I believe you or else you don't have a heart. <laughs> yeah, that is a very emotional, great scene. Like, and just like, you know, Jenkins acts a lot of times distant and removed and, you know, maybe even a little snobbish. But you can see here that he really has heart and he really gets people um, because he just he made their lives, basically. Well, that's why the end scene is so great. And we'll get to it in a minute. Yeah. You know, but absolutely. uh, Yeah. So, you know, he knights them. Okay, I got an evil book I got to find. And, and, you know, so he goes in, he finds the team all cocooned and that, and he encounters Jeff right away who admits right away that he got in way over his head and, and uh, you know, okay. Really, yes. Thank Jeff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had to be me for a couple of days. I have to be me forever. And, and I think it's, you know, that realization that Jenkins, again, he's not going to tell him it's okay, but he can at least understand it a little bit. And he, and he even says he's realizes that he's been focusing on the negatives of being mortal and, and that there are so many good things. And again, I think that's one of the lessons that comes out of this for Jenkins is that being human, being mortal can be pretty great if you allow it to be. Right. And, and that there's things that, well, maybe you're not a knight of the round table who has adventures all the time and with a damsel in distress on your arm. But look what you got, dude. You know, like, look what you do have. And, yeah. and and appreciate the things that you do have. Right. So he gets to fight Asmodeus. What a great name for an evil yeah. creature, by the way. <laughs> I think it's like actual one because like the uh, spell check was correcting me every time I spelled it wrong. Yeah. Hey, you know what? <clears throat> Google Docs, it always amazes me the names that it has in its word base. Right. So... Uh, Anyway, uh, so, you know, they go on and and fight the monster. Jeff gets the gemstone from his mom, lures him back in the basement. And, you know, we we get a little bit of a sword fight. And, of course, Jenkins pulls out lightsaber, another nod to Star Wars, which I think is the second time they've done that now. Yes, because they did it, yeah, just a couple episodes ago. The second time they've done it this season. Yeah. But uh, I, I guess the kicker is that, that Jeff at, at first is scared to fight and then he does come out and it is him. And then I love 
again, the Lord of the Rings reference, right? Yeah, absolutely. You shall not pass. You shall not pass. Yeah. But uh, every 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 nerd's favorite line. Absolutely. Probably and, a lot of people who aren't nerds, but you know, it's yeah, a really good line. Get back to the library, and here's now. This isn't something that I would uh, nitpick the episode. Here I'm nitpicking Jacob Stone because he remarks to Jenkins that it must have been awful hanging out with the common folk. Yeah, that's not nice. And, no, and it just seems so unstone like and you know i don't want to say that you know well is the writer not paying attention to who jake stone is and and you know i'm not going to go there so i guess maybe if i put more thought into what's really behind that line i mean is it sort of sarcasm because because yeah maybe it's meant to be delivered with a little bit more irony yeah and certainly stone you know that fits his personality and his character to you know to say something sure. like that but uh clearly jenkins has learned something and he even says people aren't so bad if you give them half a chance and he tells them he's got an appointment to go to i think i'll drive i always think like well what did he do before i guess just go through the magic door they yeah, went through the door yeah right he they yeah. discussed that uh last episode with the uh, grocery store right 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 but it turns out his appointments to play D&D with the group in Jeff's basement. He brings pizza, but he insists that he be the dungeon master. Right. Which, I mean, what a perfect ending to this episode. I it was just, a great, great ending. Absolutely. It was really good. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, again, in retrospect, and, and obviously if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, this happens all the time, that... Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm I'm certainly at an A minus, and I may go full on A, but not positive yet. Regardless, if there was something between an A and an A minus, that's what I'd give this one. But as we say, when we score AP papers, give them credit for the things they do well. Don't really punish them for the things they don't do well. So I'm going to give them an A on this one. Okay, and I probably will agree with you because I don't really feel like there's anything that this episode did not do well. Right. You know, so, so that I, I think there's just a lot that's really there. So, yeah, yeah I, I guess it's hard to find why I'd give it a minus. But yeah, especially they threw in the Star Wars thing at the end. and even Asmodeus looked like Darth Maul too. The to boot. Yeah, good point. Good yeah. point. But uh, anything else you want to mention? Well, just uh, so Asmodeus, I, I recall, is actually a character in Supernatural right now as well, except he's a. Uh, very formal southern gentleman in a white suit and neatly uh, coiffed hair. Uh, much different from the Darth Maul that we have here that uh, fights Jenkins and Jeff. Now, how long has he been in the in Supernatural? Uh, uh, did he start last, last season? He okay. came on last season. I guess what I'm getting at is, has it been long enough for Dean Devlin to say, I'm going to throw this out there for Supernatural fans? It could be. Okay. It could be. Which would be cool. I love that stuff. Yeah, it's possible. Going to wrap it up there then? I I think so. Yeah. All right. All right. I I think we we pretty much got it. Yeah. 
Yeah, only two left. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll have to start considering what it is we're going to do next. I know uh, we got one message about resuming Dollhouse, which I think you know, we, we certainly talked about as uh, mm-hmm. probably more than a possibility since we started it. And I think right. one of the things that we've established during the, uh, God, you know, it's going to be six years with this podcast. Are you serious? Yeah, it's going to be six years this uh, June. Six? Uh, yeah. Holy cow. But I think one thing we've established is that we like to finish what we start. So yes. that we started True. season two of Dollhouse. So, you know, come hell or high water, we're going to finish season two of Dollhouse. <laughs> come House, as so. modious or high water. Yep. So, all right. Yeah. Well, we'll leave well, it there. You know, the, 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 you know, the silver lining is uh, next year we won't have a conflict between travelers and uh, librarians unfortunately yeah I, I was thinking that as well but uh <laughs> guess we'll also have to be on the lookout for you know, something to talk about before travelers comes back because we don't really know uh, i believe they've begun filming on season three i could be wrong about that i, I think i read somewhere that they've been doing table reads so maybe okay. they haven't quite begun filming yet but it's probably going to well, be should sooner be, they should read the script instead yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, well, we'll leave it there. All right. I want to thank you guys. Terrible, terrible joke. <laughs> well, that's okay. All I want right. to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Love to hear what you think about the librarians, dollhouse, anything else in genre TV. Hey, throw some suggestions our way if you'd like. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word. You know, any of you can add somebody to the Facebook group. Emails, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com, voicemails via the speak pipe tab, which you can get through the website. And we'll be back next time to talk about season four, episode 11 of the librarians titled the librarians and the trial of the one. But yeah. until then, you know, Dave, it's been like six years. I feel we've gotten the point. I can say this to you. I said that you, sir, are one sexy stud muffin. <laughs>